Welcome to the Cashflow Legends Podcast with your hosts, Nate, Brandon, and Brock. Remember, our insights are not direct financial advice, so consult with your financial team before making any decisions based on the topics discussed in this show. All right, welcome to Cashflow Legends with uh, Nate, Brock, and Brandon. We are excited to be here today. Uh, We're going to dive into Nate's journey to this point and what brought him to the uh, precipice of deciding that infinite banking was for him and why becoming your own banker, uh, what all tied to that, his mindset. But what we really want to dive into dive into today is more than just numbers. It's going to be, you know, how has this affected Nate's life? What stage of his life did he learn about this thought process and why did he want to implement it? So, uh, hope everybody's excited for some good insight and some real life uh, specific instances uh, for Nate's life. So, to get us started today, Nate, give us just a little context of maybe where you were before learning about this new way we live and think about money and where you are now, kind of as a 30,000 foot view, and then we'll start diving in. Well, I think it's helpful for people to understand um, the background, the the Dave Ramsey traditional line of thinking background that I came from. Uh, Being in ministry, especially, you get exposed to Dave Ramsey very early on uh, because it's pushed around the church a lot. And so financial peace was something that my wife and I had gone through in 2011 let's see yeah 2011 we bought a house and leading up to purchasing that home we were not really prepared for the down payment and everything that was going to come along with it and so it was uh actually 2010 when we really started getting very diligent focused on uh paying off debt saving money things like that and so we built up our savings and 2011 we bought a house and uh you know we were just following those traditional rules of trying to you know stay out of debt as much as possible um maybe pay down on the house a little bit more things like that and that was just the way we were operating and what always kind of frustrated me was we would save up money for something and then it would just kind of disappear you know once once the once the goal had been met of savings for a specific purchase or something like that then the money was gone and i don't know if anybody can relate to this maybe i'm just weird but I was so hardcore Dave Ramsey and so in line with everything that he was teaching. And if you know anything about Dave, you know that he is extremely risk averse. Like, I mean, he will scare you with debt, with the thought of debt or anything like that. And because of that risk aversion that I just bought into hook, line, and sinker, I had developed a scarcity mindset that started creating massive problems for me. And here's what I mean. I would get to the point, 
uh, one, I was fearful that every day I was going to lose my job, even though that like was never even a threat. Like it was just like thinking I'm going to lose something. Like every day I wake up thinking, oh, you know, maybe today's the day I'm going to lose something. And so I developed this scarcity mindset and it was so deep that even when I had money to pay bills that were due, I didn't want to pay the bills because I was scared of seeing that money leave my life. Okay. And that is a, a tough place to be. Like, because it wasn't that I didn't have money. It was that my mind was so just jacked up. So how long... So it was 2010, 2011. So roughly six, seven years, you lived around that mindset. Am I yes. correctly? So Brock, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to segue to you real quick. I know a lot of times you interact with, um, you know, different varying levels of wealth. Okay. But how often do you see the Dave Ramsey mindset still linger in people you get to interact with? Like with what Nate just talked about with scarcity. Yeah quite a bit um, because of what we're fed through, through advertising, through uh, what the common notions of building wealth is. Mm -hmm. Until you make a radical and deliberate decision to change your way of thinking, it always kind of lingers in the background of, oh, wait, no, I don't, I don't know about this or, oh, you know, the market returns on average 12, 13%. Well, then we, you know, we have to have conversations where we're teaching and learning, you know, the difference between an average rate of return and an actual rate of return and what the market has actually done um, and, and understanding that. But most most people, when you talk to them until they have made a deliberate action to change their way of thinking about their finances, it always lingers in the background. So let's let's expand on that back to Nate's story or connect to it. So we all have said and experienced the power of asking yourself why. We've you'll hear us talk about this all the time. So Nate, when you drilled down to why did I treat money this way? Why did I develop scarcity? Why was scarcity in my life to begin with? Okay, over the six seven year journey. That a lot of us say, I say this often, I was a diehard Dave Ramsey fan and followed it to the T. I wouldn't trade what I learned from it, but I know what I don't want to do again. Okay, so what did you, what questions brought you to the idea that the infinite banking concept, reading Becoming Your Own Banker, what Nelson Nash was teaching, and your journey, what questions did you ask that got you to that point in 2017, 18, when this transition started happening? So one of the things that I discovered along the way is that my philosophy of money was not necessarily lining up values. And what I mean by that is um, my values consist of limited government. Um, I don't want to be part of systems that um, are not for my benefit, things like that. Um, I think the government just needs to stay out of our business for the most part. So the idea of throwing pretty much all of my long-term money 
into a strategy, um, you know, mutual funds in my case, and supporting a system that I didn't really, just doing enough research on, on Wall Street and the, the types of people who run Wall Street and things like that. And you find out very quickly, those are not people that you want to share a cup of coffee with. Um, they're, uh, that entire system is just not in line with what I believe. And so that was something that I struggled with was like, this is what I was being told to do. You know, Dave was saying, hey, put money in mutual funds and everything like that. But there was just always something in the back of my mind that just, you know, it, it made me restless a lot of times. And when I was putting money in mutual funds, they were doing fine. You know, that it wasn't like I was losing money or anything like that. So I didn't have any complaint about as far as, oh man, I'm, you know, not making money on this stuff. Like it was growing, it was doing great. But it still just, I don't know, there's just something about it that I could not put my finger on other than I knew that I was putting system that I didn't believe in. So what you're really talking about is, is you didn't know what you didn't know. Okay. So Brock, a lot of times when you ask questions to people you're working with, what you're really doing and expand on this, what you're really doing is helping them think about how they think, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, and you, how are you how are you helping take Nate as somebody that comes into your office and you're game planning and he's telling you these things? You know, what is a question that you might ask him uh, to to really help him realize what what he wants to know that he doesn't know yet? Yeah. So I'd first back up and and talk about what most people don't realize is they are in a product biased arena. So Nate, your language is a little bit further than some people in the financial world, but you said your strategy was investing in mutual funds. Well, investing in mutual funds is not a strategy. That is a product. And so what most people don't realize is you can almost always accomplish the same or even greater results by using a strategy over a product. Mm. And so um, the some of the questions that need to be asked like at the beginning of of our podcast you know one of the questions that i asked was is it a big retirement account that you want or a big retirement income because if it's a big retirement income that's going to come from a strategy not a product what most people think is oh well if i can just get my 401k to a million dollars i will be fine yes you will be fine if all things work out the way that they're supposed to work out and you don't have you know a down year in your first year or maybe your second year of retirement. Um, the fees don't eat away. You always take the safe withdrawal rate. Inflation doesn't continue to go up. You don't get disabled. You don't die early. There's so many factors in huh. some of these things that most people don't talk about. And so as you're doing this, what I've learned from one of my uh, mental coaches is rather than telling there needs to be a process of teaching and self-discovery with mm -hmm. each other to understand simple things of what's going on. Like why, you know, the miracle of compound interest isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And mm -hmm. how can we take the position of corporations, banks, and financial institutions and the way that they manage money rather than the way that they've taught us mm -hmm. to manage money? 
Yeah. So a lot of times we talk about daily, you know, the rules of the big three typically and how they get us to put our money in their systems are not the same rules that they're playing by once they get our money. Correct. But here's a, here's a stark reality that I'm going to swing it back to you, Nate, that I'm noticing. If I make a social media post, which is always about me and my lessons in growth, I'm not ever talking down to anyone. We all talk about this often. I'm just sharing my journey. And it's about my faith, my family, my fitness, my mindset. I get all kinds of interaction. It's awesome. The minute I start talking about banks, money, or where my money goes, crickets. And I think it's fascinating. And I'm going to bring it back to you to Nate on this point. I think it's fascinating to me because what it proves is that there's a few things going on. One, we are not confident enough to speak on money. That is our own money. So therefore, we don't say anything because we don't want to look silly. I remember feeling this way. Okay. Yeah. Or two, it's the uh, turtle in the sand type thing or head in the sand type thing of if I don't look up, I don't have to know what's going on and maybe it'll work out. So Nate, you were doing the Dave Ramsey thing. You were hardcore around 17 or 18. Our journeys reconnect or our past reconnect. And I want to ask you specifically, what opened your eyes or what was the first shimmer of light that you go, there might be something different or better. What was uh, it? All right. Nate, before you, before you answer that, yeah, one of the things that I've begun to do um, is oftentimes, and this will relate to your question, is sometimes you may ask people um, how they handle their finances, and they might say, oh, well, I do what Ray, Dave Ramsey does. And then if you say, okay, that's great. So how much real estate do you own? What type of businesses do you own? Oh, where are you creating this entrepreneurship in your life? They'll look at you like you're crazy because what they're actually saying is I do what Dave Ramsey says, which is a complete opinion from a guy who's has zero financial licensing whatsoever in any area of any capacity. Mm-hmm. And he's telling you one thing, but on the backside of it, you look at his own financial life and he's not doing anything that he says. And if you want to try to contradict that, go look up how big his new office building is for his business. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. And, and Brock runs in circles in Nashville that he knows people who knows people and he knows exactly what he's talking about. Um, so <laughs> one thing, one thing that I wanted to say, Brock was talking about something earlier and it brings me back to uh, deductive reasoning versus inductive reasoning. Deductive reasoning, the way uh, a typical financial advisor would sit down and talk to somebody, they would basically say, at what age do you want to retire? How much income will you need at retirement? How long do you think you will need that income? And what is the risk tolerance? Those are basically the four questions that are asked in a typical financial plan when somebody's sitting down. The problem with those questions is the variables are exponential as far as like those four questions are based on a fixed uh, continuation of their life as far as how things are going right now. And uh, Brock, you said it earlier, all the things that we can't count and take into consideration are 
you know, just just to name a few, tax inflation, um, losses in income, like all these different things that that factor into that. And so, um, I think it's really important to for people to understand is that the approach that we take when we're looking at financial strategy is reducing the probability of failure to as close to zero as possible and eliminating as many eroding factors of our wealth as possible. And those are things that are typically not talked about in a traditional financial plan, you know, when you go sit down at a brokerage or something like that. Now to get back to the story, so yeah, it's like 2016, uh, I believe, maybe 2015. This was my first, that first glint um, of light uh, where I started to see things just a little bit different. I'm riding in a vehicle with a very successful business owner. He's driving. Dave Ramsey comes on video. And I'm like, oh, you listen, you listen to Dave too. That's awesome. You know, like I started talking about how great all his advice is and everything like that. And he's like, yeah, he's more entertaining than anything else. Um, you know, he doesn't have it all figured out. And I'm just thinking this guy's way more successful than I am. So obviously there's something that I need to be paying attention to. And he, he started telling about how there's good debt and bad debt. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, I've never heard Dave say that before. There's good debt and bad debt. Like, how could debt be good? That doesn't make any sense. And that sent me on a journey initially where I got my hands on Rich Dad Poor Dad. And I think a lot of people's uh, financial journey, uh, you know, veering from the traditional thought process, really a lot of people start with Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um and that was what originally opened my eye to maybe there's something different. Maybe Dave doesn't have it all figured out. And I don't think without that experience riding in that vehicle that day, without reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that I would have been ready for becoming your own banker. You know, if I would have come across this book in 2015, I probably would have been like, whatever dave says whole life and is the worst place in the world to put your money why would i ever <laughs> listen to this guy what a quack you know yeah um but i was already i was all my mind was already moving in that direction of maybe maybe there's more to this game of money than than i realized and so i was prepared for becoming your own banker when i came across it was late 2017 when i came across the book and Brandon, you and I were accountability partners, um, just holding each other accountable in different areas of our life, pretty much talking daily anyways. And we had already come to the conclusion that we were just so aligned in our thought process and everything like that, that we wanted to start some kind of business together. We had no idea what that was going to be, but we had just come to the conclusion that we both wanted something different for ourselves. We didn't want to be dependent on W2 income the rest of our lives. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like when we read become your own banker, we're like, Oh, this is our business. This is what we're going to do. It was like, we just got really fired up about what we were learning. And we got so excited about it that the overflow of gratitude and excitement for what we were doing for ourselves and what we were doing for our families, but our mentors, Mike and Chris had taught us up to that point 
we just knew that it was almost it almost became like a moral obligation for us where it's like okay we've got this information now we've got to share it with other people and it just so happened that we've got these great mentors that have poured into us willing to pour into us and have equipped us to go out and teach other people the right way and uh and also just you know god has gifted us in different areas that uh we've been able to uh complement each other really well in to be able to stay on track and make the main keep the main thing the main thing um and so yeah that just kind of leads us i mean there's a lot more to the story but that's that's what led us to where we are now let's let's touch on that for just a second and let's i'm going to connect some dots and come back to what you just said so lots of people ask how do i grow in general and then because we've gotten to spend a lot of time around great mentors and and listen brock is 20 years younger than us and he teaches us stuff daily roughly 20 not 20 exactly but my point is is a mentor or someone that you can grow with does not have to fit in this box. It can be a book. It can be a YouTube channel. It can be somebody you know personally. It can be some guy that looks like he could almost be your son that the Lord connects your past. And then you get to hang out in their circles because now the circles you're in are connected to the circles they're in. And if you trust each other, you start getting opened up to a new world. Even if you were already in a new world, it just starts expanding. So, Nate and I, when we started going through Mike and Chris, our mentors, our original mentors in learning this process, they were great at asking questions. I vividly remember to this day talking about, I hope that Nate and I can get to the point to where we can ask questions the way Chris Bay does. Because the power of a question keeps the self-reflection where it should be. And that's how we grow because if we're not willing to self analyze how we think, why we think, how we act, why we act, we're not going to grow. And that's the beauty of what us three guys, this is why we're doing this is to give people the resources and an opportunity to go from where they are to where they want to go. And if they don't know where they want to go, help them figure out how to figure that out, which is all about questions. So Brock, I see you nodding your head. Tell me what's jumping to your head, your mind right now on what you just heard Nate say and that thought process. I think the first thing that jumps to my mind is understanding the difference between self-consciousness and self-awareness. And when you can take your position and move away from a position of self-consciousness into self-awareness, that is where you begin to grow. Because most people... Um, are self-conscious they blame others for what's going on around them they always taking control of you know that ah, you know the, it's raining it's this i can't do that i i don't know this okay well self-awareness is hey i don't know this and i don't know where to go but i know brandon and he's a little bit further along than me in the business world maybe i should just shoot him a text and ask and tell him with vulnerability I have no idea what's going on, mm -hmm. but I'd like to get some help to further my knowledge. Would you be open to a meeting about it? That's good. All right. So Nate, I'm going to, I'm going to peel back the curtain a little bit 
and these are things you've told me, and all of us agree because Brock just touched on it. The greatest opportunity for growth is on the other side of being uncomfortable and vulnerable. It's 100%. It's an equation. I don't know where it is. Maybe we can coin it, put it on a shirt or something, but it's true. Uncomfortable and vulnerable go together with the right people to create the growth that you can't fathom otherwise. So when Nate and I first connected, he consumed news. He was consumed by politics and he was not near as jovial and confident as he is today. Same could be said for me in different areas. Okay. So I'm not throwing stones. I had a lot of areas for me too. The, the accountability of, Hey, we want to grow was the greatest piece. And like Nate said earlier, we didn't know how we were going to grow, but we were aware that we were meant for more. I believe that about everybody. So Nate, Talk to me and talk to Brock and talk to everybody listening about maybe three of the greatest shifts in who you are today from who you were in 2011, 12, 13, 14, that you're so excited to say that this has occurred that you can't even fathom. And before you do that, Nate, one of the things that needs to be said is as you begin your growth journey, the most uncomfortable piece about it is the fact that you're almost always alone when mm. you start. Mm. That's a great point. So, that is a great point. Tell all that together, Nate. Preach for us for a minute. There's your sermon. All right, so one thing immediately comes to mind. You may have to get me back on track in a minute. I don't know, but we'll okay. see. <laughs> but uh, the one thing that sticks out in my mind the most is I mentioned earlier that I developed this scarcity and it was just so deep. And I didn't discover until very recently where all that was coming from. I thought it was all, I thought it was all from Dave Ramsey. You know, I thought he was just, a, but, but really it was, it was much deeper than that. Um, it was actually working through one of our mentors, Garrett Gunderson, uh, that really discovered that this scarcity that was that was locking me up and that I was battling and dealing with was much deeper. It came from all the losses that I experienced in my life. Um, now, I'm not I'm not saying I'm different from anybody else, and I've lost more people than anybody else or anything like that. But going back over the history of all the people that I've lost that I was really close to over the years, um, just just to name a few, my grandmother, who I was the closest to when I was young, um, my she passed away when I was like seven. Uh, my granddad passed away; uh, he was killed in a, a car accident, um, and he was the only granddad I ever knew. My grandmother was the closest grandmother that I had at the time, so. Uh, other and father on on different sides of the family. Both I was very close to. Lost them. Um, I, I lost uh, when I was in seventh grade. Uh, Brandon, you knew Jeffrey Brister. Mm -hmm. uh, you know he was he was one of my best friends. Uh, committed suicide when I was in seventh grade. Um, and then uh, the biggest gut punch for me was when I lost my dad in twenty twelve. And I developed such a fear of loss after that, that it was, 
it was crippling. And like I said, this is up until very recently that I discovered where all this was coming from. Because even, even now that we're <clears throat> nearly six years in on this journey of infinite banking and this shift in mindset and everything like that, Brandon, you know this, like I still battle with scarcity. Mm-hmm. Like that's a constant battle for me, but understanding where it comes from now mm-hmm. is a lot easier to overcome. Yeah. And so my single biggest shift uh, and, and change is just recognizing where that scarcity was coming from. Um, and that would not, like none of that would have placed, I would have just continued on in my life had this, had you not shown up, had this book not shown up, you know, ultimately God just showed up in a powerful way in my life. And if it wasn't for his grace and what done me, then I would still be trying to figure out why I'm struggling. Why am I dealing with this? Um, and, and I would still be living paycheck to paycheck and I, and I would still be, uh, unhappy with where I was my money and unhappy with the results of, uh, all, all these things like there's there's so much that goes along with that so there's a there's a lot of really cool things that you just said there and and i think it's very important to make it very clear that you're not anytime us uh, any of us three talk we're just going to tell you our experiences we're going to ask questions because that's really the point of this whole thing is really to just share our journey so far to encourage you and give you an opportunity to, to become self-aware yourself all right. So Nate, you're in this phase of life where you're just repeating the same vicious cycle. Not all of it bad. Like you said, you had a great wife, great kids, great family. But when you started becoming uncomfortable, which started with our accountability, because most men don't want to go find an accountability partner. That's another man that seems in the real world abnormal. Okay. But in the world we live in now, it's normal. It's healthy. It's accountable. It's good. As we start doing these things, your eyes start opening. And even just to recently, if you would have told any of me or Nate that we were going to pay people to spend time with them, to learn from their experiences, I promise you Nate and I would have laughed in your face. I promise it. Because we'd been like, why would we pay somebody to to learn from their experience? But the value of that is, is Brock is nodding his head because he sees this and interacts on this level a lot, is that you're going to learn things one of two ways, the hard way and the long way, or if you get a good person, the short shorter way, because they're going to will, will be willing to share it with you. So, Nate, you figured out where this scarcity came from, which was really tied to loss. And here's the thing that I think is important to connect If we don't recognize that because money is a th- it's it's ingrained into everything we do and we don't recognize why how we feel or don't feel how we act or don't act related to it is important to understand we will continue to experience the same things we've been experiencing. Now maybe that's great. Maybe you have no issues. But I can tell you in all the hundreds and thousands of conversations I've had, I'm sure Brock can confirm no matter how much money someone makes or how much wealth they have or don't have, hardly ever does somebody have it all figured out about how money works. I mean, it's not normal because it's such a taboo topic. Yeah. When you mentioned being vulnerable um, earlier, you know, most people sit around on the sidelines just watching others contribute to the world. 
And the reason why I do that is because it become it's because of that fear of rejection and being vulnerable. And you know, I just want to encourage people because you know I've got new experiences myself. Like there is no one like you. Mm. Like you have a unique gift. Each one of us has a unique gift, and and we should want to share that with others. And I've I've said this before. I think it out on Twitter. Someone right now is praying for what you can teach them. But if you're not willing to be vulnerable to get out there and put yourself out there with the knowledge that you have, um, then they're never going to get to experience your gift. And we've been, all three of us have been extremely blessed to connect with so many people that we've been able to share our gift with up to this point. And it was because we were willing to be vulnerable because Nobody wants to work with a robot. People want to work with people that they can build a relationship with. And that's the dynamic of what we get to do because we're not setting people up for failure. We're setting people up for success is we create these long lasting relationships um, that become really powerful. I mean, many of our clients have become friends of ours. Mm -hmm. So now you just said something there and I'm going to add to it because it just hit me. We're, you say we're not setting people up for, we're setting them up for success, but let me go a level deeper because this is what we're really doing, I think. We're allowing them to ability to become self-aware enough to take action on how they can become successful and create their own journey to accomplish that. But they're making the choice of, I am no longer going to do what I'm doing. I'm going to become self-aware. And now I feel like I'm around people who are willing and able and encouraging enough to do so. So that's a really powerful piece because uh, Brock, your dad says this all the time and I love it. We're not selling you anything. If we were selling you anything, we're selling you the ability to learn how to become free, to create peace of mind, to create certainty, to get, create control so you can live the life you're supposed to be living. So Brock, you're nodding your head. Tell me what you're thinking. What am I thinking? So a few things. So, Coming off of what Nate said, when you begin to realize that a blessing is not meant for you, it's meant to roll through you into others, mm -hmm. then life begins to take a different shape. But like I said earlier about when you take on this path of growth within yourself, what most people think is oh well you know i've got this big dream i've got these crazy goals but you know i just don't understand what to do i don't know my next step so the default is they abandon it and take something that's more straightforward and easy well when you take the easy road first life becomes hard later but if you take the hard road first it becomes easier later and so one of the things that i um think about is when you have big dreams and if you hang around me long enough, you'll, you'll begin to understand that most of my dreams, uh, probably scare myself more than it does others. Um, they scare me on occasion too. <laughs> I think it was, uh, I think it was Mark Batterson 
that said, if your dream doesn't scare you, you're not thinking big enough. Yeah. And, and the reality is when you have big dreams, yeah, you have no idea what the next step is or where you're going to go 50 steps ahead. But all you really got to do is have enough guts to just move forward. You don't need to have all the information to do everything start to finish. You just have to have enough information to take the next step. And sometimes taking that next step is just putting yourself out there. So let's, I don't, we don't ever want to deep dive into exactly what we did practically because it confuses what we found. It confuses people till they know why they want to do what they want to do for self-awareness. But Nate, you over the last six years have, there's been some drastic changes in your life. Okay. Um, As far as career path mindset, uh, what a year may look like to you or a quarter of the year. Um, Obviously, we found mentors who could teach us how to implement this mindset shift and you began to do that touch on a few things you know and experience and feel now that you didn't three years ago five years ago six years ago eight years ago ten years ago so there's three things that come on this three things that we talk about so often um because they are ingrained in everything we do and everything that we uh not everything we everything we do and everything we teach and it's centered around safety control and efficiency and i was very uncertain in the past about my future um now uncertainties uncertainty is okay feeling that way because the reality is none of us can predict the future, Mm -hmm. but understanding that you can create an environment for yourself that gives you the most certainty moving forward is really important. Um, But like I said, uncertainty about the future is okay because we can't predict the future. But um, when uncertainty lets you up, and cripples you and you can't make moves because of the uncertainty that's when there's a problem and that's when it needs to be addressed and overcome um so that certainty was really important the control another one and control kind of goes with certain a little bit um but with what i was doing previously i was handing over my money to someone else i was giving over giving the control over to someone else and when um, when that takes place, when you are giving your money over to someone else, at that point, you're kind of just crossing your fingers and hoping that it's going to work out. Um, and you have, you've really uh, kind of passed off the responsibility of taking care of yourself. And you've passed that on to someone else. And, and that's what's really important about what we do now is we impact people with information so that they can actually feel like they're in control of their situation and not just giving it over to the hands of someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so the control aspect and then just the efficiency, uh, going back to the idea of saving up for a major purchase and then making that major purchase and then now all of the time and momentum that it took to create that money, all that hard work that I did was just gone 
you know, now it was in, now it had been uh, replaced by some object of some kind or whatever. And the efficiency of my money was lacking at that point because now the time and, moment, time and momentum was gone. And now I had to build back up again. I was losing out on the efficiency. So certainty, control, and efficiency are the three things that I think of most when I think about what I have now versus what I what I was struggling with and what I was dealing with in the past. So to kind of summarize everything, you went from uncertainty, not even knowing why you were uncertain or how to tackle it. And you knew you weren't being efficient, but you were being as efficient as you could be. Something we point to often to encourage people is, hey, you've done everything you knew to do to get to this point. That's a compliment. That's what we do. We're going to do the best we can. And then control this whole piece of, I don't really have to give away all the control to create the life I want, which is this dichotomy we've been taught to believe has to occur. I got to give up something to get something as opposed to just maybe I can become more self-aware. This We're going to tie it up with this, but I know it's something that we all believe in is a lot of times people say, what should I do to go create A, B, C, or D in my fan- financial life? You know, rate of return or what product or what investment, whatever. And I've gotten, and I know we all have, more aware that the most powerful thing that you could start doing is setting aside time to become aware of how you think about how you think and then start investing in, if you're good with that, pouring gasoline on that fire because you like where it's taking you or evaluating where I need to reposition some of my money to invest in my ability to grow, which then gives us clarity on really what our purpose is. And then all the other stuff will start taking care of itself. And you're going to figure out with us three guys, we're going to share what we've learned the hard way. Okay. So that maybe you don't have to, maybe we can be those mentors that you just pop on, you give it a listen, you go, Ooh, I'm glad I got some insight to how to think about that. So I can go evaluate if I'm good with that thinking or not to grow. Because the reality is, is I think that self-awareness piece that Brock mentioned is so big. And that's what Nate described in his journey. He went from, one way of thinking to being aware that there's possibly a more beneficial way for the purpose of what God God called him to do in our belief to create the life that he's supposed to create for his family. I want to bring up a point also. Money was hardly even mentioned this entire discussion. The practical inanimate object of money was hardly discussed. That's because that is this the piece that's tied to the condition of our heart. It's just an exchange. It's going to show who we are or it's going to show who we aren't. And we've learned that the hard way a few times. Nate and I have in our journey. Uh, Brock chuckles. I'm sure he has too. Um, So just a reminder, you can always email us at cashflowlegends at gmail.com. You can also drop comments in here, like, subscribe, hit all those buttons on any of the platforms that this comes across. What we want to encourage anybody who listens to do is become self-aware. If you're just living in a daily 24-7 repetitive Groundhog Day type life, there's more. We know that. Hopefully Nate's journey and uh, breaking down a little bit of his vulnerability and what led him to this will encourage you to do the same thing and start asking yourself those questions or let us ask you those questions to help you think about how you think. So we appreciate your time today.